truth that we have heard we will fight to believe and remember you said it's finished it is done and by your blood we've overcome we will never trust in you and remember oh we remember and we will not forget you are always with us we will not forget you are always for us we will not forget we will not forget you God now my faith I hope is sure our confidence is in you Lord we will sing of all you've done and remember oh we remember and we will not forget you are always with us we will not forget you are always for us we will not forget we will not forget you God you gave us freedom we were nothing more than slaves you kept your promise and delivered us from chains you split the waters and your mercy was displayed we remember we remember you came to rescue we were lost and gone astray you died our death our sin was buried in the grave you rose to life as you rolled the stone away we remember we remember we remember oh we remember and we will not forget you are always with us we will not forget you are always for us we will not forget we will not forget you and we will not forget you are always with us we will not forget you are always for us we will not forget we will not forget you God good morning Carpenter's Way would you guys stand on your feet find somebody and tell them good morning That's your name The mountains shake and crumble That's your name The oceans roar and tumble That's your name Angels will bow The earth will rejoice Your people cry out Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name, fill it up the skies with endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh Lord. At your name, the morning breaks in glory. At your name, creation sings your story. At your name, angels will bow, the earth will rejoice, your people cry out. Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with Endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, oh Lord. 
our God, we will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing. There is no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing. There is no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. Jesus, you are God. We will sing. Your name filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh, Yahweh. We love to shout your name, oh Lord. Good morning, and it is it is good to see you this. Palm Sunday morning, and we are so grateful that you've uh, chosen to come spend some time with us this morning. Uh, things look a little different this morning, because I'm not Mark, and um, I, I know, it's surprising. It's, it's a little, what, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, and uh, our worship team um, is being led this morning, uh, not by our worship leader, who has no hair, but by all of our worship team. And I discovered that Justin is a lot taller, has a lot more hair than Chad does. Not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a thing, right? So, but we're, man, well, I, you guys sound great. You really do. And I, and I tell you, sometimes I think we forget how blessed we are with our worship team. And uh, so, yes, thanks for stepping up today. Um, it, is, it is awesome to have you with us. This is one of my favorite times of the year, um, obviously, and hopefully it's one of your favorite times of the year as we get ready to celebrate Resurrection Sunday uh, next week, because um, this is kind of our deal, right? It's not a holiday we stole from somebody else. This is ours, right? It's just, it, this is about um, the week that Jesus uh, decided finally to pay the price, and man, it's a great great week, and hopefully we'll get that started this morning. have a lot of activities that are going on. I uh, want to let you know about uh, this morning for our K through 5th graders, they will have um, special Palm Sunday uh, activities that will be happening throughout their time, uh, and it says it's going to start at 11. I think it'll start at 11. Like 10.15, it's going to start. I, I don't know, right? So, maybe? Who knows? Um, but want to make sure that your children stay for that. That's going to be a great time. Those, uh, our, our Bible study leaders have really worked hard to get ready for that. So uh, please stay around for that if you have children. I uh, also want to remind you of our Good Friday service that will be taking uh, place on Friday um, at 3 o'clock right here in the worship center. If you've never had the opportunity to be here for that service, I uh, really want to encourage you, if you are able uh, to slip out, it's just a short time, but it's a great time really to reflect on what Good Friday really is. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to be here for that. We worship together, uh, share communion, uh, so that'll be a great time. And then obviously next Sunday morning, uh, our resurrection service. Uh, I want to encourage you to be here for that at 930. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to remind you a couple of things in the worship guide. Uh, a couple of Bible studies, women's Bible studies, they're beginning to kick off. There's some information there uh, you can take a look at. Uh, if, our, if our ushers would come forward, we're going to receive our offering this morning. And uh, we like to remind folks that uh, our offering is an act of worship, and, and it's a responsibility of those of us who call Carpenter's Way home. So if you're a guest with us this morning, we don't expect you to give anything. We just want you to be a part and worship with us and celebrate with us. In a few minutes, we're going to open up God's Word, and uh, hopefully God will speak to you and encourage you a little bit this morning. So I want to pray for us, and we're going to continue on. God, we are so grateful for this morning um, as we really kick off Holy Week. God, it is such an incredible week in the history of, of Christianity. So many things happen this week that, that are so impactful. And I pray this morning, as we begin this week together as a, as a family, that you would encourage us, that, God, we would maybe take a different look at the week as we walk through it. But, God, most of all, I pray that this morning you would remind us of who you are and remind us of how much you absolutely love us. God, we pray as we worship together it's through song that... God, it'd be a time to reflect, it'd be a time to celebrate, it'd be a time just for us to be able to say to you the things we need to say, 
And God, as we open up your word, I pray you would speak very clearly to us this morning. And God, as we receive the offering, God, I pray you would take it and continue to use it to continue to further your kingdom. And God, we are grateful for the faithfulness that you've shown us. And just pray that you would continue to be with us today, challenge us, and encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, he 
Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Holy, you are holy, Lord Almighty, God, you reign worthy, none more worthy, King of glory, God, you
Excited to uh, share a few thoughts with you this morning. Uh, and our children are dismissed the GPS. You guys can head on out, those of you who aren't running down the aisles already. Um, this week was, uh, was an interesting week for some of you because when you realized that uh, this Sunday I was going to be teaching, every one of our Bible study leaders had a party and celebrated because they're like, whoa, more time in Bible study today. And uh, all of our youth Bible study leaders, though, I promise you, it was like, oh, no, <laughs> we got to prepare more now, right? Um, 
because we always give Mark a hard time about going over, and we don't mean anything by it, except my kid leaned over and went, so are we getting out early today? Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, I, I don't know about you, but life is crazy busy right now, right? For a lot of you, you have so many things going on. You feel like you've got these plates spinning, you're just trying to keep them all, all going. And um, a lot of you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, and you have been following the adventures of the Bonin family. Um, really, it seems like the last three or four months has been just crazy. And I'm grateful where our kids are involved in everything, but I'm going to be grateful when all the seasons are over, right? Um, we've got Mike is involved in band, and luckily that has slowed down, but our two girls are actively uh, involved in stuff. And uh, so this past week, um, luckily, uh, Rachel runs track, so luckily we were in Lufkin, so we didn't have to go somewhere for a track meet. Uh, and Gracie plays uh, soccer for Lufkin, and they were in town, so we're really excited that, hey, we get to stay in town this week and not have to go all over East Texas to watch our kids do stuff. And then tomorrow takes place for us, and um, Rachel has a track meet in White House, and uh, Gracie and the Lady Pack will be playing uh, in a playoff game to get into the playoffs uh, tomorrow night in Madisonville. So um, I'm not necessarily going to a soccer match. I'm really going to Bucky's, and I'll probably catch the match while I'm there. Because <laughs> I, I, I got to have beaver nuggets, right? I mean, those things are hor- I mean, they're great, but they're horrible, right? I need a whole bag all the way home, so I've usually got to buy a couple bags. Um, and so that'll be fun, and, and then later this week, if the pack win tomorrow night, then um, we'll be going somewhere up north on Thursday to watch a soccer match while Rachel has a band concert on Thursday here in Lufkin, and then we come home from all that, and we leave Friday to go to the Dallas area for a soccer tournament, and then uh, we'll be there a couple of days and come home late Saturday to be here for uh, Easter Sunday, so we don't have a lot going on right now, and uh, But I get, like, just being crazy busy with life, right? And I wouldn't wouldn't trade any of it. I love all of it. It is just the season that we happen to be in right now. But all of us know what that's like. We know what it's like to try to balance our our lives, our families, our church responsibilities, and and our work responsibilities. We we know what that's like. And, And everybody, when people say, I don't say that to say, hey, take pity on me. I'm just saying I get it. I get being really, 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 really busy and stressed out and all that. I totally get that. And this morning, I want to kind of share a story, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. But this week, we're, we're going to be, be walking through the Passion Week, or Holy Week. And this is an incredible week in the life of the church. There's so many things that are happening that I think we don't realize are happening. Because when we think about it, we often we know about Palm Sunday, which is today, uh, we, we know about Monday, Thursday, we know about Good Friday, and we know, again, obviously, about Resurrection Sunday. But you realize there's a few more days in the week that happen. And there's some incredible things that are taking place this week that I want to kind of walk through a little bit this morning. Uh, in your worship guide, there is a, um, a Holy Week Bible reading plan. really want to encourage you to take that and use that this week. Um, it's, it's just Bible readings kind of throughout the week, and, it, and my hope is that it will kind of help you walk through the week with Jesus to kind of look at what was actually happening, what was going on as we lead into Friday. And so that's in there for you this morning, but, but Passion Week is an incredible week, and it's some incredible things are happening. And we start, obviously, with today with Palm Sunday. This is the day that Jesus enters Jerusalem and the crowds greet him with palm branches, which is why we often call it Palm Sunday, and they're shouting Hosanna and they're celebrating. But this is also the day that Jesus stands and he weeps for Jerusalem because he knows what's happening. And then later on that night, he returns to Bethany. But on Monday, he heads back into Jerusalem, and this is the day, if you remember the story, where he curses the fig tree because he was walking down the road and wanted some figs, and there's no figs, and he went, no more figs. He returns to the temple, and this is the day that Jesus clears out the temple. This is the day that he looks at, at the money changers and, and the vendors, and he realizes that they're not there to help people worship, that they're just there to make a buck in the name of Jesus or God. And so he clears out 
the temple. He rebukes unbelief, and then he heads back to Bethany. On Tuesday of this week, the religious leaders question Jesus' authority, but Jesus evades their trick questions and speaks the truth. He goes to the temple, and he begins to teach several parables. As we see the parable of the two sons, the parable of the vine dresser, the parable of the wedding feast. The Pharisees on this day question Jesus about paying taxes and about the resurrection, and this is the day that Jesus answers the greatest commandment question. He talks about the poor widow's might. He predicts the destruction of the temple, and then once again he uses parables, the parable of the virgins, the talents, and the sheep, and the goats. Then he goes back to Bethany. The gospel writers don't tell us so much about what's happening on Wednesday, but it's assumed that he and his disciples were resting and preparing themselves for the Passover the next day. But we do know that on Wednesday, the Sanhedrin plotted to kill Jesus, and this is also the day that Jesus was anointed with oil. And we also know that Judas agrees to betray Jesus on this day. Then Thursday comes, and in the evening, Jesus celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples. This is when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. He identifies his betrayer. He institutes the Last Supper, giving the Passover meal a whole new meaning. They sing a hymn, and they head out to the garden. And this is also where Jesus turns to Peter and predicts his betrayal. That's what's happening this week. Kind of busy. And I would think kind of stressful, right? Busyness stresses me out. So we have Jesus who is entering Jerusalem and he's not just there to kind of hang out for a few days and wait for it to pass and get on with, with stuff, right? He's, he is incredibly busy these days leading up until Thursday and Thursday itself. And so Jesus is, is, is feeling the stress and the weight of everything that's happening. And man, he is active and he is busy. But we come to Thursday night. We're not sure of the time. Some people will say it's between 10 or 11 or even as late as midnight. When they leave the upper room, they sing a hymn and they start their walk to the garden. Now understand that they're just walking to the garden. And it's something we know that they've done before. They've gone to the garden in the, in the past. This is nothing new. But on this road to the garden, this is when Jesus, and I would imagine, because I have a different kind of imagination sometimes, I would imagine they're just very casual, just kind of walking, talking like they normally do, and, and in the middle of this conversation, they're just kind of walking, and Jesus turns to Peter and goes, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to betray me, and of course Peter's like, no, never, right? And so this has happened, they entered the garden, and this is, to me, one of the greatest passages in Scripture. Because in this passage, it's a passage that oftentimes, if we're honest, makes us a little uncomfortable because of some of the things that Jesus says. Because we don't like to think that Jesus might have actually wanted to get out of the cross because that doesn't kind of fit what we're supposed to think about Jesus. But in this passage in Matthew, Jesus gets to the garden with the disciples. He leaves some of them. He takes Peter, who he just said, you're going to deny me, and a couple of the other guys, and they keep walking. And so that's where we're at in the week. He's at the garden with his three probably closest confidants, and Jesus does this. In Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with them to the olive garden called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there and I pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little father and he bowed with his face to the ground praying my father if it is possible let this cup of suffering be taken away from me yet I want your will to be done not mine then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep and he said to Peter couldn't you watch with me for even one hour keep watch and pray so that you will not be given you would not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak and Jesus left them a second time, and he prayed 
my father, this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it. Your will be done. When we returned to them again, he found them, he found them sleeping, for they could not keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Uh, let's be going, because our betrayer is here. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for, I thank you so much for this story in Scripture. It's such an incredible picture. And it's a picture for some of us, God, that really does make us a little uncomfortable. But God, I think it's a picture that shows us so much about you and so much about Jesus' heart for us. So God, I pray as we talk for a few moments this morning, as we unpack a few things, that, that God, we'd be encouraged. That if nothing else out of this morning, my hope and my prayer is that we get, that you get it. That we love you. And we are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A great passage that shows us some just a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And it's a passage that honestly, for me, growing up in the church was a passage that a lot of times was kind of taught with pastors trying to kind of change the actual meaning of it. Because it's a little strange. Here you have Jesus, who's come for the sole purpose to redeem us, who's in the garden and saying to his dad, okay, hold on just a second. <laughs> Wait a minute. And we don't like that because that doesn't really fit our picture. Because for me, I've always understood Jesus as God. That's never been an issue for me. I get him, and he is, he is fully God. And I, I understand his divinity, right? I mean, I understand that he is 100% God. The part for me with Jesus that I've always struggled to really honestly wrap my head around is that he's also 100% human. That he has a humanity to him. I, that's an uncomfortable part for me of Jesus. Because I'm like, how I don't get it. I don't understand how you can be God, but yet you can be man. And, and, and it's just this weird thing for me to wrap my head around. But it's an incredibly important thing for me to wrap my head around. Because at the end of the day, Jesus really, 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 really was. Flesh and blood. He walked through life just like I walked through life. He experienced life like I experienced life. I mean, that's one of the differences between Jesus and, and other gods from other religions is he's, he's an accessible God, right? I mean, he's, we, have a, we have a Savior who actually understands us. He gets us because he has been us. There's no other religion that has that. They had the divinity, but they don't have the humanity. And in this passage, Jesus' human nature, though perfect, still struggled with accepting what was coming his way. And Jesus is asking God to take this cup of suffering away from him. I mean, you realize that's actually what he's saying. He's in the garden, and he's praying, and his prayer is, um, hey, Dad, I know the plan, but... You know, if there's really another way, now would be a great time, and I'm not going to argue with you, right? I mean, he's sitting there, and he knows what's happening, and what he's saying is, get me out of this if you can. Now, for some of us, we go, oh, Jesus would never say that, except that's what he said. He's looking at his father and he's saying, if you can take this cup of suffering away from me, please take this cup of suffering away from me. That has some huge ramifications. What if Jesus would have went, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. Then we have a slight problem. But he's sitting there and he's crying out to his dad. And in the same context, Jesus says to his disciples, the spirit is willing but the body is weak. 
Why? Because Jesus got it. There was this struggle inside of Jesus of, of, and my spirit knows what is right and what needs to happen, but man, this flesh, it, it doesn't want to go through what I'm about to go through. Well, that's a picture And that is just incredible to me. When Jesus says, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, Jesus was battling with his flesh and his desire for self-preservation and comfort. The struggle was intense, and Jesus said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. And Luke, in his rendering of the story, observed that Jesus was sweating blood, a sign of extreme anguish. Man, if anything shows that Jesus was really fully man, this is it. See, Jesus knew what was coming. He, the agony that he was going to face would be more than physical. It was about to be spiritual and emotional. And Jesus knew that God was about to crush him. He was allow, about to allow him to be pierced for our transgressions and wounded for our iniquities, according to Isaiah. See, Jesus knew that he was about to take on the full wrath of God and feel the full brunt of God's anger. Arthur John Piper puts it this way, Jesus' suffering is under God's anger. Jesus will drink the cup of God's wrath, a cup that has accumulated the fury of God against sins of all types, heinous crimes, adultery, but careless words, dishonoring thoughts and lies. All of it will be punished by God. Jesus knew that although he had never sinned, that he was about to become the offering for our sin. I mean, that's, that's, that's what Good Friday is. Is Jesus taking the wrath of God and the anger of God that was meant for me, that was meant for you, and in this moment in the garden, we see the humanity of Jesus understanding fully what's about to happen to him, understanding that he's not just about to physically be beaten, but that emotionally he was going to be tormented, that spiritually he was going to struggle. Because you realize for the first time in just a few days, in a couple of days, that Jesus was going to be completely separated from God. Why? Because he took on my sin. And he took the wrath and the anger that was really mine to take. But in that moment when he was separated, he had never known that before. And so here you have Jesus who understands fully and completely, I mean, what's coming his way. Because you realize Friday was not a surprise. He didn't like go, oh, I didn't know this was about to happen. Now, he was fully aware of what was happening around him. Fully aware of where he was headed. Yet Jesus loves mankind, but his humanity dreaded the pain and the sorrow he was about to face. And it drove him to ask his father, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. But you know, seeing Jesus in the garden makes Hebrews 4.15 means so much more to me when it says that Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are. I mean, you understand that Jesus understands. He understands your struggle. He, he understands the frustration. He understands the disappointment. He understands everything we go through because he went through it. And we don't like to think of Jesus maybe as struggling. But he did. Because although he was 100% God, he was also 100% man. And so Jesus in the garden, when you listen to the words of Matthew, it paints a picture that sometimes we don't like. But Matthew tells us that Jesus became anguished and distressed. 
And Jesus, in his own words, said, Listen, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Let this cup be taken away from me. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he just cries out and says, My father, Abba, Father, help me out of this. Does any of that sound familiar to you? I mean, I don't know about you, but I see me in the garden. I mean, I, I've, I've been in anguish and distress over my situations. And I've been there. My soul has been crushed. I felt like the weight of my circumstances was about to destroy me. And I've cried out to God to get me out of difficult circumstances because I honestly don't want to suffer. I mean, I want it easy. I mean, I want to do the right thing, but I'm so tempted to do my thing. And I've been to the point when all I could do was cry out to God. I get that Jesus. And the reality is he gets me. Because all of us have been there. All of us have struggled. All of us have felt like the weight of the world is on top of us. And we can't get out of it. All of us feels like I can't deal with this situation because it's way too much. And, and, and listen, let's be honest. We're all kind of wimps. We want life easy. I'm not the only one. I mean, it's like, if there's two paths to the same goal, and this one's easy, and this one's hard, I'm signing up for easy. I've got enough life experiences, right? I mean, I get it. I get wanting life to work out the way I want it to work out. I get my list working, but oftentimes my list don't work. I get facing situations that I feel like I can't do anything about. Because I'm a fixer by nature. I like to fix stuff. And one of the things I've kind of learned about life is I can't always fix stuff. And I don't like that at all. I would much rather spend my life smiling and laughing and having a good time than sometimes to face the struggles that I face. And I know you're the same way. I don't know many people who really like difficult circumstances. Unless you're a motivational speaker, then I guess you do. But I don't. I like life easy. But sometimes life's not easy. See, Jesus understands every single weakness of ours. As Jesus faced down the cross... He did exactly what I would do. Because I've done it a million times. Uh, yeah, God, um, the second, like, I want to do what you want me to do, but come on, really? Can I not struggle with this today? Do I, do I really have to go through this? I mean, surely there's another way. But then I think back to the garden. And I wonder... Well, if God didn't take Jesus' suffering away, why do I think he's going to take mine away? That kind of stinks, to be honest with you. Because I kind of want a comfortable God. See, it's not always to do what God asks. There are times that, quite honestly, I'd much rather God just take it away. But one of the hard truths of Scripture and of life is sometimes pain is part of the plan. Sometimes the difficulties we face are not God's judgment. Sometimes it's just part of his plan. Because here's what I've noticed, and I don't know if you're like me, but I've kind of noticed that when I'm struggling, when I'm suffering, when I'm really just barely hanging on, it's those moments that I see God most clearly. When I'm struggling, when I'm hurting, when I'm confused, when I'm just like, it's those moments that I see the clearly, clearest picture that I can see of God. Because oftentimes it makes me realize that that's all I got. When all my plans fall apart, when, when everything doesn't work out, and it forces me to take my eyes someplace else. 
So sometimes the pain and the struggle is part of his plan. It was part of Jesus' plan. Because in Luke, there's something interesting that is not found in the other gospel accounts. Luke chapter 22 same story, but from a different perspective. It says that he walked away about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. In verse 43, it says, The angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. It's interesting to note that God's response wasn't to take away the suffering of Jesus because it was part of his plan. But what he did do was strengthen him for the journey ahead, which is exactly what God promises to do. See, sometimes we get frustrated when life doesn't go our way and, and our first thought is, well, God's, there's, there's something wrong with me. God is is punishing me for something. And sometimes, quite honestly, look, we find ourselves in messed up situations because we make bad decisions. That's just life. But it's those times that we feel like, man, we're just trying to do what God asks us to do, and yet we're still facing these things, and we don't understand it. And, and understand that that's sometimes just part of the plan. He never promised to take away the pain and the suffering. What he promised to do was to strengthen us and be with us through it. It's exactly what he did with Jesus. What a picture that Jesus leaves for us. If you have ever questioned your value or your worth to Jesus, just look to the garden. If you've ever wondered if God could really love someone like you, just look to the garden. If you've ever felt like you're all alone, look to the garden. If you ever feel that God can't redeem you, Look to the garden. When Jesus said, this cup can be taken away from me unless I drink of it, your will be done, was a powerful moment. Because this is where Jesus and I kind of differ a little bit. Because what Jesus said was, listen, if you can take this cup away from me, please do it but not my will, your will be done. And I wish I could stand here, because I know I'm supposed to stand here as a pastor and go, yeah, I would say the same thing. No, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> hey, God, I don't want to do this, and mm, I'm going to try my own way, which never works. But in that moment, Jesus while his flesh was fighting to say, I don't want to go through what I'm about to go through. I don't want to hurt like I'm about to hurt. I don't want to experience being separated from my Father. I don't want to experience what is coming my way. At the same moment, he looks at his Father and he says, but I want to do your will, not mine. God, I'm willing to do it your way, not my way. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to feel the pain and the hurt and not try to stay comfortable. See, when Jesus said, your will be done, not mine, he made the final decision. He refused to deviate from God's plan. He chose obedience over comfort. He chose us over himself. He chose to take the wrath of God so that you and I would never have to. In the garden, we see this unwavering passion of Jesus. And what we see happening is the battle being won. That's a Jesus I get. Or that's a Jesus I need to get. I don't ever want you to feel like God's not reachable for you. And sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we feel like no matter what I do, I can't get to God because he's just, he's holy and he's perfect. And those things are true. So remember the garden. 
when Jesus just flat said, Dad, if this is the way, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw our tech people and our worship team an incredible curveball, but y'all can do it. Maybe. Can, can y'all come back? I, I, wanted, I want you guys to lead the He's Already Won song, if y'all don't mind. So you guys can come on up. I know you're in shock, but come on up. It's fine. Because as I was listening to this song, I thought, yo, that's it. That's it right there. That's it. Because he's already won. And he, he, that began in the garden. I mean, stop and think for just a second. What if Jesus would have went, nah. I mean, because you realize he had that choice. He, He didn't, he wasn't forced to go to the cross. He made a choice to go to the cross because he knew that was God's plan. Absolutely knew that was God's plan. And he said, I'm going to do it. Listen, I am so grateful for the story of the garden because we get to see the humanity of Jesus on full display. We get a glimpse of the human side of Jesus. We see a Jesus who's overwhelmed with anguish and he's stressed out. We see a Jesus that is asking for another way. We see a Jesus who understands our every weakness. We see a Jesus who's willing to put aside his comfort, his self-preservation, in order to take on the sin and the shame so that I could be made right with God because he knew it was the only way. That's passion. There's passion for obedience to the Father. But understand, it's a passion for you and for me. That's what Passion Week is about for me. It's that week that I look to that I'm reminded of really what Jesus has done for me. Because I've got to be honest with you, sometimes I kind of forget. Sometimes I forget what he did so that I wouldn't have to do. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I forget this incredible gift of salvation. That no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did, I couldn't get it on my own. And in the garden, Jesus said, I got it. I got it. And he won. He just won. Two guys, Leah's. Overcame Cause everywhere I'm 
That, that is, that's it. He's paid the price. He gets it. And all he wants to do is walk with you through all of it. God, thank you so much for your passion for truth, for your passion for us. And God, as we walk through this Holy Week, may we be constantly reminded of your vast love for every one of us, no matter who we are, where we've been, or what we've done. May we look to the garden as a reminder of your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. And may we constantly celebrate the fact that Jesus was willing to take the wrath and the anger of God so that we wouldn't have to. May we celebrate this week and may it culminate with a great celebration next Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior that gives us the hope for a future, one that we could never obtain ourselves, but one that was paid for when Jesus said, your will be done, not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go enjoy Bible study.